Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I'm with Scott Anderson, who's a world traveler, a serial entrepreneur. He's in Omaha, Nebraska at this moment, but that doesn't mean he'll be there for long. He may be off (laughs) to other parts of the world shortly. Um, He's working on a a really interesting um, concept and and rolling this out at companies around the country and probably around the world. So we're going to dig into that. I'm going to learn a little bit more about what Scott's working on. Uh, Scott, thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks, Chad. Great to be here. Well, I just saw Top Gun last night. And from a psychologist perspective, there's a really good part of the movie because they get to a point where he's sitting across from the Iceman and Iceman types on the screen, you know, something about you've got to, you've got to complete your past is, is basically the words but phrased in a slightly different way so many of us carry those forward into our daily routines that we just have to get good at at letting go of the past not forgetting it but just not letting that shape who we are today in many so true so true i hope you get a chance to see the movie and buy the silver popcorn tub (laughs) (laughs) anything to help out tom cruise it's what i'm all about yeah well, it's eight dollars, and on eBay they're already selling for forty nine to ninety nine. Oh so my God! What wow. for? <laughs> nice. All right, so let's dig in, Scott, uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. When you were five, six, seven years old, what what was your thing when you were younger? I like to help our audience kind of connect the dots to sure. Did you love then to what you're doing now? You know, I was always interested in businesses, and you know, I mean, the I had when I was. When I was six and seven, I had a shoe shine business. I would go in our neighborhood door to door, uh, shining shoes. And, uh, I was always, that was one of the things, uh, I was into sports and I was into, um, uh, into, in a variety of different kind of tiny entrepreneurial businesses. And, uh, the other thing, interestingly, I, I just, I don't know why I thought of this, but I was really into the lives of saints. I'm the product of lots and lots of Catholic education. And one of the things in my day they used to give kids for like first communion was this boy's book of saints. And it was one page for every day of the year was a different saint. And every one of these saints did these amazing things. They were kind of like superheroes. 
but they all had to do miracles, right, in order to be a saint. And uh, I don't know why that came to mind, but that was one of the things I was really into and other comic books, I guess. Well, that's funny because I have three books out and a movie and the very top movie, <laughs> The Saint. <laughs> oh, nice. Excellent. That's yeah, a great movie. With, with the Iceman. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. That's pretty funny. Del Kilmer is so great. There. I don't know how you knew that because I did not pan to the uh, to that, in that <laughs> frame. So that was pretty cool. Um, nice. Miracles. You know, my son actually had a miracle occur. And really? it's not often we actually see something that's above threshold, right? We, right. I mean, it's a miracle that we can breathe and that we can see and we can yes. taste and all of that stuff. But there's certain things that happen that, that are like, wait a second, this is impossible. He faced mm. a burn accident where he was cooking on a stove. He puts the breadcrumbs in and it caught fire. Oh, no. And then he put it in the water. And that was the end, right? It boom. Wow. Up. So second, third degree burns, face and hands. Oh, my god! Hospital gosh. for three weeks, surgery. And after a week of the gauze, when they took it off, you know, we prayed deeply. Of course. And meaningfully uh, to where my mother apparently stayed up all night one night uh, the yeah. night of the surgery. And uh, three weeks later, it was just as if it never happened on his face. You're it's kidding me. Unexplainable of what. Of wow. Resolved. That is amazing. So when you see those things and you can change your belief system and say, you know what? Anything's possible. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it changes your whole perspective. So It does. It well, absolutely about, does. So the, the younger, the younger version of you comes knocking on your door right now and says, Scott, Scott, good to see you again. You know, what do you think he would say about the type of things that you're working on right now? And, uh, and then let's explore a little bit more into the types of things you're working on right now. Sure. That's a great, that's a great, uh, visual there. Uh, you know, I was thinking mainly of what I would say to him and, uh, I mean, I think, my younger self would, would, this would kind of all make sense to him. Uh, I mean, I've been a, I've been an entrepreneur for 40 years and this is, you know, I, I had brief stints as a terrible employee and, um, you know, this would, so what I'm doing now would not surprise him, but I think what, what I thought of more was what I would say to him. And that is, Oh my God, stop worrying, you know, because, Looking back, you know, speaking of, of the past we bring into the present, I mean, I just worried so much and it was so, such a waste of time, um, you know, now with the, with the grace of hindsight. Uh, but I think he dig it, I, you know, what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think it would kind of fit and make sense. So that's important if you're listening right now and you're finding yourself, if you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 with 10, I worry all the time and one, I never worry. Right. In your in today's version of Scott Anderson, what's your worry level? A, a one or a two, maybe? Yeah, very low for sure. I mean, you know, and it's taken it's taken, you know, we some I, I was just having a conversation with a friend a few minutes ago about the idea of a victim identity or a victim point of view. And it's it's such a paralyzing, awful kind of a perspective to have even if it's true, you know, because with a victim mentality, you have to wait for the victimizer to change, really. And that often never happens, right? And so, um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I think today it's, I, I mainly think of the things that I worried about and, and all the things that I went through. I really think of myself as, as uh, you know, I created this. I made this happen. And uh, in a lot of ways, in my younger days, I didn't know any better. And I'm not sure I could have done any better even. Um, but on the other hand, the pain that that causes does ultimately get you to shed it. The suffering of worry, the suffering of wanting control. Um, does in fact, you know, you, if you get burned doing that, you're less likely to pick it up over time. And, yeah. uh, so I wish it had, I wish I had come to some of these conclusions a long time ago, but, uh, yeah, stop worrying would be my advice. Well, it's funny because that's actually kind of the side topic I was thinking of talking about with you is that, you know, having moved back to the neighborhood where I grew up. I'm now yeah. in a bigger house. I've got a bigger mortgage. There's more risk involved. Sure. And so, you know, when you move to that next level of, of taking on risk assumption, the worry could tend to come with you. And so yeah. how, you know, <laughs> you, you're at a one or a two. I'm finding myself, I'm at a one or a two 75% of the time. But yeah. then I'll move to a four or five or a six mm-hmm. occasionally. And, and it... It's uncomfortable when you're in the four, five, or six level. It so is. is is it, hey, why'd you go buy the bigger house in the first place? You wouldn't have put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Or mm-hmm. you're there for a reason. God put you there for a reason. Have the faith, trust, and confidence in your abilities because you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Exactly and I, I kind of toggle between those two things. Yeah, you know, I mean, to me these days anyway, it seems like, Every day is sort of a choice where I get to I get to choose, you know, and um, and I can choose fear or I can choose faith, uh, but it's not inevitable. I mean, it's not like I don't have a say in in the way I experience my day and my life, and uh, it takes it takes practice and it takes discipline, and and really I think what it takes is is having made a mountain of mistakes more than anything else. Um, but that's really, at least today, the way I see it is, you know, I'm either going to worry about this or I'm going to have faith that it's going to be good. Which, what kind of life do I want to have? And, uh, you know, if I want a life of, of fear and worry, I can have that. And if I want a life of faith and peace, I can have that too. And, Someone uh, said that if you're worrying, you're actually kind of praying for the bad thing to happen because you're just yeah. putting it at the forefront of your, of your mind. And right. I watched that golf tournament the other day where he comes up to the couple of last holes and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm, I couldn't leave my hotel room in New York city. Cause I say, yeah, watch this. I know what's going to happen. I can tell yeah. you. And sure enough, he hadn't been in that position enough to where he's on top by two strokes and then boom, gives up the two strokes and yeah. ends up being fourth place. And he should have finished at first. Right, because he yeah. thought of the alternative and the negative. It's just like if you think you're going to shoot it in the water, you're going to shoot it in the water. That's it. Yeah, it's really true. What we focus on grows. There's no question about that, and that has a lot to do with burnout. I mean, that was you know one of the one of the I don't know if it's controversial or not, but it, it sometimes makes people mad. But I really do um, resist um, victimhood and. And in fact, a big part of our recovery system from burnout is based on the idea that um, that a it's understandable, and, and some people have truly been victimized. But even if you have truly been victimized, 
staying in that position um, means uh, to stay in prison. And, um, you know, and this doesn't mean that what happens to people who are victimized is okay or is not wrong. Of course, it's wrong and it's not okay. But uh, as long as we're waiting for somebody else to make our lives all right, um, it could be a long, long wait. So, um, you know, there, so in the case of burnout, for example, there are, there are certainly cases where people are in unjust situations and are being taken advantage of uh, by, you know, toxic bosses, narcissist bosses, racist or sexist, misogynist bosses. And if that's the case, then run away screaming, get out, no question about it. And unfortunately, in today's employment uh, market, Colorado, like Nebraska, has virtually no unemployment. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Um, but on the other hand, I, most of the cases that I've worked with, and certainly in my own case, I found that I caused my own burnout, um, basically by insisting to live a life of fear, basically, and thinking that the only way to compensate for fear is to work harder and work harder and work harder. And uh, unfortunately, that kind of fear is a black hole that nothing will fill up. And uh, But the attempt to fill it up by working harder, trying harder, uh, striving, et cetera, et cetera, uh, unfortunately makes the hole uh, deeper and darker. And uh, ultimately, there may be some short-term success early in our careers, but ultimately, uh, it's not a sustainable strategy. And uh, so one of the things I found is, is to really take complete ownership for, um, for our lives and even for our burnout is the only way um, that I found to recover from it. Um, because as, as long as it, it's up to somebody else to change or, you know, unless my boss changes or my coworkers change or whatever, I'm going to be burnt out. As long as we maintain that stance, then we postpone our own recovery for as long as we choose to do that. Yeah. Love it. Um, and so you talked about burnout. What's the name of the program that you're, that you're working on right now? The name of the program is called burnout breakthrough, burnoutbreakthrough.com. And, um, so as I mentioned, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. So I come by my burnout, honestly. I've been through it several times. Um, I'm also a, an executive coach and I'm also a licensed mental health therapist. And the, the program really came out of my own burnout. Um, the, uh, as I said, I've owned and, and launched and sold a bunch of businesses. And the biggest of those was an advertising agency that I sold uh, now almost uh, eight years ago. But Leading up to selling it, I was really, really burned out and was had the kind of exhaustion that a good night's sleep won't won't touch uh, or a vacation won't help with. Um, it was growing increasingly disconnected from my business partners, from my customers, from the business itself, um, was really losing interest and feeling separate and apart from and disconnected and lost my motivation, lost my pa uh, passion. And I really should have got out and got out of that business sooner. It wouldn't have been the complete solution to it, but I, I knew I wanted to pursue a different avenue. Anyway, after selling that business, I went into a really dark, burnt out place where it was difficult to get out of bed. And I really despaired of ever getting myself back. Um, and as a, you know, as a licensed therapist and a master's degree in clinical counseling and all of that, I, I thought I certainly ought to have the answers, or at least my colleagues should have the answers to burnout. 
And I, pursu I pursued everything I could, everything I had learned in school and everything my colleagues could throw at me. And I really couldn't get any relief. And so I, start, I stumbled into a couple of ideas that I tried on myself and that to my uh, everlasting gratitude, I found helped me. And then at the time, my practice, my therapy practice is called lonelyatthetop.com. Uh, and uh, most of the people that I work with are entrepreneurs and business owners and executives. So I was working with a lot of people going through the same thing. So I, they, they allowed themselves to be guinea pigs on some of these early interventions. And, um, and thankfully, it worked for them, too. Uh, then I had an insight that a lot of what burnout is about is this, this conscious feeling of being isolated or separate or apart from. So I started to run uh, burnout groups with some of my clients, face-to-face -face groups uh, pre-COVID. We did that for a couple of years and it worked really well. Um, and it was, there's part, there's just something about being with other people that really get you like any group therapy, I guess, but especially with burnout that really helped. Um, then with COVID, we moved from face-to-face -to, -face to Zoom groups, and at, that actually worked even better because we got an even more diverse group of people on the call, um, races, creeds, colors, all states in the United States, people in Europe and the UK. And there was something about finding that there's, you know, there are people in Warsaw, Poland that are just as burnt out as I am in Los Angeles, that, it's a, that, it, that it has symptoms, they're very specific, they're the same. Uh, for everybody. And um, that really, really helped. So anyway, we've been running this program now for five years and have worked with hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs and executives. And, um, you know, in the meantime, the World Health Organization uh, has recognized burnout as a bona fide disorder of its own that has similarities with depression and anxiety and other stress disorders, but it's not exactly the same. It's different. It has its own criteria. And unfortunately, burnout has been in the, in the Western vocabulary since the 70s when a psychologist did a study that was really more about compassion fatigue uh, with doctors and nurses. But the, the term burnout has come, you know, everybody, my 92-year-old mother complains about being burned out. Everybody complains about being burned out. But the technical definition of it, the one that um, the World Health Organization has created, the American Psychiatric Association has uh, signed on to is very specific. It has very specific symptoms. And, um, and unfortunately in the United States, at least according to Gallup, it's even more of an epidemic uh, than COVID is uh, with uh, at least 40% of US workforce uh, saying that they are burned out most of the time according to the definition of burnout that WHO published. Wow, that's a large number. And so what are, amazing, those, yeah. what are the top two or three things you would pay attention to sure. if you're, you know, for yourself to do the litmus test on? Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. Well, we have an assessment that, you know, if any of your viewers want to want to contact me, I can send them an online assessment that is um, an abbreviation of the Maslach burnout inventory, which is kind of the definitive instrument. Um, but we've created a, a short form that is that kind of summarizes the Maslach burnout inventory, uh, if anybody's interested. But basically, burnout breaks down, uh, as defined by the WHO, um, breaks down into three major things, the, the symptoms. The first is a physical and, and mental and spiritual exhaustion that no matter what you do, you can't, you don't bounce back from. Even after a good night's sleep, 
even after a vacation. And unfortunately, we've had a number of clients who thought, I'm going to quit this job and then I'll be out, then I'll be past my burnout. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not how burnout works. Uh, Band-aids don't work and superficial changes don't work. So we've had a lot of people, unfortunately, who have quit jobs or even abandoned careers, uh, hoping their burnout will go away, only to find they're just as burned out. But now they've given away the career or the job. But the number one symptom that people notice, and by the time they notice it, they're probably well into burnout, is that bone-deep exhaustion and the kind that that you really can't shake. And you wake up in the morning feeling as exhausted and unmotivated as you did when you went to bed. That's one of the that's kind of the canary in the coal mine, if you will. It's one of the most prominent um, symptoms. Um, and, you know, it's a common, it's basically burnout is a stress disorder. It, it results from unrelieved stress over a long period of time, uh, which means that our cortisol levels, our adrenal uh, levels, hormone levels are at very, very high levels and are unrelieved over a long period of time. And the result is this bone tired, mind, body, spirit exhaustion. So that's, that's number one and really lacking the motivation to do anything. And this is where I end up talking to the most people is they really get afraid and they think because they're running companies or they have big jobs um, and they're really concerned that maybe today I won't be able to get up and do it. Maybe today is the day I can't get out of bed or off the couch. Maybe today is the day I can't log in. And that's the kind of terror that sets in for a lot of people. And that's when I, I usually end up talking to them is when they're really worried about it's not just it's beyond imposter syndrome although that's often part of it. It's, it's the kind of desperation that says, I just, I don't, I, I, not, I don't even think I can mail it in today, you know, much less be an imposter or fake it till I make it. Uh, you know, people get concerned that they're not going to be able to, to do anything. And that's sort of the jumping off point for a lot of folks. So that's number one is this sort of comprehensive exhaustion and lack of motivation and lack of interest. The second most prominent symptom is a feeling of separation and disconnection um, from family and loved ones, certainly from our coworkers, our business partners, even our customers, where we the kind of care and concern that we might've had for both at work and at home uh, gradually leaches away. And, um, and people begin, they, they say that they just don't feel connected. And people around them notice also they're very distant. Uh, that's one of the things that said the most about burnout people. You seem so distant. You're, you're physically present, but you're not here with us. Um, and then the third stage, I guess, of burnout is one where uh, that we've noticed in a lot of people is that people go from being not just feeling disconnected, but, but, but feeling actively um, resentful even. Uh, towards their their business partners, their bosses, their customers, their coworkers, their family members, um, and by the time burnout reaches this level, it's you know it's a serious problem, no question about it. Um, it can th threaten careers. It breaks up families. Um, there are people who unfortunately become suicidal because of it. Um, there's a huge spike in alcohol and drug consumption through COVID, uh, but one of the things that we've noticed is that, that burnout, the, the big spike in burnout preceded, was preceded COVID. It was, what, it was uh, doubling in, in frequency pre-COVID, but COVID really kind of put the icing on the cake or was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, 
I, I've seen it in, you know, my kids with their schooling and remote virtual learning and uh, all the policy and all, just everything that's going on. And now you've got a threat of nuclear, nuclear war. And, you know, you just keep ratcheting up the level of what in the world is going on next. Yes, <laughs> so that's if right. You let that seep in. Um, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it really can have a, have a negative impact on you. Absolutely. Um, I re- my grandfather sent me a note when I was in eighth grade and it had 10 things, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there was eight other, you know, ha- life hacks, if you will. Right, and, right. And I always right. thought if I just remembered the first two, I'll be in good shape. And exactly. And that have done okay for me. But I, there's one part in his handwritten pencil uh, note to me that talked about there always will be a void and the only way to fill it up is through faith in God. Yeah. And and I've yeah. seen people and companies try to build hacks, if you will, that could probably jump up what you talked about earlier. I think you said cortisol, if I remember yes. the word correctly, yes. right? right? But there's things that I've been part of even that are cool and it's like okay if you have 60,000 thoughts a day and half or more are negative then this might help you curb that right but i don't know if it ends up filling the void long term um mm-hmm. what what's the conclusion if if we can get sure. to the last chapter absolutely book, yeah you know if there are icing on the cake that you can yeah. share with us. yeah the the main thing is that um you know what we know about uh, about burnout is that in its simplest form it's the accumulation of unrelieved stress over a long period of time. And in America in particular, we think, well, I'll take a week vacation or a weekend and that ought to do it. But all the research is conclusive that stress is something that has to be relieved all day long, every day. It's, um, you know, it's very much like taking care of our, our bodies. Uh, well, and this does have to do with our mind, body and spirit. But we have to consciously or the way to prevent and to recover from burnout is to get into a practice. And we teach a number of them that will allow you to completely drop stress multiple times a day. So it's very much like the Olympic athlete who trains and trains and stresses muscles and has micro tears in muscles, but then has a recovery period so that those micro tears can turn into muscle. Um, without those recovery periods, however, the muscle will tear and the, the athlete will be injured. And it's very similar psychologically and I would say spiritually that unless multiple times a day we consciously drop the rock of stress and completely drop it, that's one of the the, uh, principles that's come out of a lot of the research that's been done, is that we have to multiple multiple times a day take even five or ten seconds to completely drop the stress. Um, Otherwise, it's this, it's the cycle, both the body biochemical cycle this, and the psychological cycle of having unrelieved stress that ultimately results in this bone tired exhaustion, this disconnection, and ultimately this resentment. So what we mean by that is multiple times a day to take five or 10 seconds, take a deep breath, um, notice the stress in your body, and we teach specific techniques to release it and to do that you know, multiple times a day um, all day long. Um, and that's, you may be familiar with the Pomodoro technique, um, that basically says work 25 minutes, take a five minute break, work 25 minutes, take a five minute break. Um, and that is one of the techniques that, that we certainly recommend as a way of consciously releasing stress all day long throughout the day. 
So that's, you know, that's a big part of it. The other part of it is that, as you say, we have 60,000 thoughts a day, and most of them we've had a million times before, and most of them are negative. And so what a lot of people really are, are they're, they're being bullied by their thoughts and their emotions. And they live their lives really trying to somehow cope with disturbing thoughts and emotions or to make those disturbing thoughts and emotions go away. And they're not going to go away until we're dead. Our mind will continue to think thoughts. That's, that's never going to end. So the question is, what do you do about it? And we teach a number of skills to help neutralize some of those thoughts and really to learn to accept the fact that it's, it's okay. These thoughts are here for a reason. And we are no more our thoughts than we are, let's say, the rumbling in our stomach at, at noon that tells us we're hungry. Um, it's just a bodily function. And our minds think thoughts, and a lot of them are negative, and a lot of them are intended to keep us alive. But what we really teach instead is to focus on values, personal values, what we really believe in, what, do we, what we want to be remembered for, the principles that your grandfather shared with you. Um, and instead of letting disturbing thoughts and emotions bully you, and they're always going to come back tomorrow for more lunch money. They're never going to go away. Um, instead, we have to shift our whole basis of, of living in action and, and focus on our values instead of our thoughts and emotions. And in that way, we will always do what matters most to us, what keeps us in good stead with our own principles and our own integrity. Um, but it's a shift. And we're really, most of us, addicted to listening to our thoughts and emotions and responding accordingly. I love this conversation. Drop the rock of stress. It actually fits quite nicely. There's this partnership that I've got with a company called Joyly. And it's they've created this thing called the Chair of Joy. So you're supposed ah. to pick a chair in your house where you can physically get up. Just like when I'm managing a sales team. They say, don't have them in your office. Go across the street to a Starbucks. Right. right. So find a chair in your house. This one happens to be six and a half feet tall. It's got gold on the edges. Nice. Literally 60 seconds, sit in the chair, breathe, four seconds in, hold it for four, yeah. bring it out for four a couple times. Yeah. Think about a joyful thought and exactly. how does it make you feel. Sit, breathe, think, Exactly. Feel. 60 That's seconds. exactly right. I'm it's a perfect it illustration. Perfect. That, right? Yeah, no, Chad, that's a perfect illustration. And it's exactly what we're talking about is mm -hmm. that we, we need to choose faith or choose joy uh, consciously. And, um, you know, most of us are just waiting for our thoughts to change or emotions to change. But our thoughts and emotions are really designed to keep us safe. And most of them are most of our thoughts and emotions are anticipating things that might happen that are bad or life threatening. And that's the way our mind is designed. That's not a problem. It's just the way our minds are designed. So what we have to decide is, are we going to be bullied by these thoughts and emotions every day or are we going to sit in the joyly chair? I love that. And just decide, you know, I'm going to experience joy. I have a choice. That's yeah. the main thing. We always have a choice. Well, it's as a result of my son's fire accident, I, I created an app called 77 Pray. And it reminds you in the morning to pray once, right? Doesn't matter how yeah. long it is. Later yeah. in the day, we're adding the chair of joy as a step, almost like Fitbit for faith is what some people yeah, are calling exactly. it. So just that reminder where you make love that. decision that I want to do this and I know it's going to help me not face burnout like you're talking about. Exactly. That's how you have to do it, right? It's not, it, it's chicken or the egg. First decide exactly. and then put in a plan in place to, to curb from that. So Exactly. This is one of the things that I admire about the, the, um, the faith of Islam 
is that there are five calls to prayer every day. And, you know, we need that. We need to be, we need to be shaken out of our trance and reminded who God is and reminded who we are and, and reminded what joy is. But we forget, we just, we're, we're so programmed to go back to following our minds and the fearful thoughts our minds have that we really need to be interrupted multiple times a day. Yes. Fabulous conversation. I'll definitely introduce you to Cheryl Lynn, the founder of the Joy Joy Movement. Oh, and, I'd uh, love to talk you to and her. Would, Thank would you. Get along keenly. So yeah, amazing conversation, Scott. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best website to visit? The best place to go is burnoutbreakthrough.com, and we have a master class there outlining the the techniques that I described today in more detail. And if you want to find out more, that's it. Burnoutbreakthrough.com. Excellent. Well, Scott, safe travels to you Thank around you, Chad. the world. It's been great getting to know you. Thanks so much Thank for you. sharing you shared today. Take care. Thanks. We'll catch everybody on the next Living a Better Story podcast. Give it Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, May you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, Remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.